I want you to tell me first a little bit about yourself. Yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me uh, and inviting me here. I'm happy to chat with you and all of your listeners today. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. I am a holistic nutritionist. I have a background in teaching yoga and personal training. I actually spent six years working full-time in the fitness world. And so I have been, since 2019, I have been fully online doing nutrition coaching. And what I focus on now is I help women break up with the all or nothing dieting cycle and show them the simplest, no nonsense way to maintain a healthy weight uh, without without willpower, right? Without deprivation or spending countless hours on the treadmill, as I think we've all tried that. Yes. Well, <laughs> and so, yeah, go on. No, I was going to say, well, the word diet in itself is like traumatizing for people. The second I hear diet and the word die is in it. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. instantly awful. Yeah, I completely understand that. And and so my practice pulls from different schools of thought because of my background. Um, and so I pull from understanding limiting beliefs, right? That's a big part of it. Um, prioritizing emotional health. That's something that I avoided for a really long time. I was very focused on the external and I thought if I could just look the way I want to look, then everything else will start to fall into place. And um, well, that wasn't the case. <laughs> and so um, yeah, you know, I pull from different schools of thought, whether it is um, practices in mental health and emotional health, but as well as our physical body in the sense of biology and anatomy and how our body actually functions. Um, but this is in, and so this is where I am right now, but this was not always where I was. And so from a very young age, my internal dialogue was quite negative. I don't know if um, if you can relate to that at all, but I had a lot of self-doubt, a lot of insecurities. I struggled with a lot of confidence issues. And really what that created was this perfectionist in me, always striving for perfection. And if I didn't reach it, then um, you know I would kind of beat myself up emotionally for that. And, and so this is really what started my all or nothing thinking pattern um, that I've had to unlearn. <laughs> I felt like this pendulum that was swinging from one extreme to the other, really. And it was constantly, I would do juice fast and then eat what I thought was perfectly healthy. And then later on, binge on junk food because, you know, it was really impossible to keep up this um, kind of perfectly healthy, um, idealized version of myself that I was creating. Um, so this also reflected in exercise, right? I was exercising excessively because I thought that that would make me perfectly healthy. There's always a an exercise fad that goes along with the dieting fad, right? Um so it, I really just started to create these unrealistic expectations for myself that set me up for um, disappointment really from the get-go when, when I was in those kinds of thinking patterns. So um, in 2014, that's when I decided something had to change. Uh, I started uh, my yoga teacher training program, which led me to personal training certification. And actually in 2017 is when I went to school for nutrition. Um, And that's really when I decided I needed to take my power back. Like I was giving all of my power away to diet plans. 
uh, and to exercise programs. And listen, I've tried them all. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I've tried them all. And uh, I was overworking my body in the gym, you know, cravings for sugar and salt and, and um, digestive issues. And it was just like everything blew up and I hit diet rock bottom, which is kind of what I'm calling it. Um, but it was rock bottom altogether. Um, and so that's really what when something clicked for me, I was like, I don't think this is the answer. I don't want this to be my life anymore. I just kind of threw my hands up and I was um, I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. No more like counting any more calories, no more plans, no more exercising six days a week, seven days a week. Because what that was doing was on the weekends, I was falling, I was kind of going to the other extreme of um, going off the rails with eating unhealthy and binging on alcohol. And it was, I just, there had to be a better way. Yeah. There had to be a better way for me. And, and what I truly needed was compassion. I really needed to build self-trust because I think when you're on, when you're a chronic dieter, you end up putting all of your trust into the plan and you lose that trust in yourself. And so I needed a strategy to get out of this, like eat less, exercise more mindset and cycle that I was in. Um, and, and so, you know, this is where anxiety was coming up for me. A lot of um, sleep issues, like I was having nightmares, which is, you know, your nervous system in overdrive. Um, you know, as I mentioned, digestive difficulties and lack of energy, there was just so many things that happened. And so when I hit that rock bottom, I was like, there's got to be a better way. And so that's where I started to focus to channel all of my energy in my nutrition coaching, because at the same time, I was starting to notice same similar patterns with the clients that I was working with. So I know it was a long way around that. Yes. <laughs> But um, many, many years in the making, and I'm happy to say there is the other side of the dieting mentality. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when we're told for so many years uh, that we can't do these things for ourselves, we start to believe yeah. that we can't, that we can't. Um, but I'm here to tell everyone that you can't. You absolutely can. I love there that. There is another side, and um, it's not easy. It's very simple, but there's a difference between simple and easy. Yes. There's a lot of work and a lot of mental work around it, and that's actually what I start all of my coaching with is, uh, is that mental, that mindset piece. And Lisa, I really want to start from the beginning. Like, I kind of want to know what age were you where you kind of started to notice or start being mm. conscious of your body and what it looked like? Really young. Really? really young. Like how and young are you? Are we talking here? So I'm thinking the number that sticks out to me is eight years old. Wow. And the reason why I say that is because um, I was actually asked a question recently, you know, what would you say to your teenage self? If you went back in time and you could talk to your teenage self, what would you say? And I was really stumped by that question because I go back to my teenage rebellious self and I was already set in my ways. There was nothing that you could, I heard all the things, but there's nothing that anyone could say that would actually make a difference at that point because my mind was already up. Yeah. I had already made it up. So I had to go back further. And as I thought about it, 
eight years old really stood out to me. And that it's just, that's the power of advertising. That's the power of, um, you know, the ages of zero to seven, that's when your, your brain is just taking everything in. You're just a sponge. You're taking all of the information in and um, you're not able to, to have that, you know, I agree with this or I don't agree with this just yet, right? Yeah. You're just taking it all in. And so for me, I started to look at myself in the mirror and I said, well, I don't look like this woman, this fully developed woman on a magazine, and I'm thinking at eight years old, oh, why don't I look like that? I guess I should be following this eating pattern that's that is listed in the magazine. And it's so yeah, eight years old is where I come to when I think of when it all started. And my first real diet, I actually wouldn't say happened until university. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually go on an actual diet, but I was watching my carbs. I was watching as a teen, I was more in the over exercising category mm -hmm. um, versus restricting. Yeah. And then when I got to university, I did both. And that's where things really blew up for me. Did you have any influences around you that maybe were over exercising or would make, make any like notes about like what you're eating or anything like that or was it all you own expectations oh sorry say that again you cut out a little what'd you say <laughs> you're back <laughs> it was a lot it was a lot me um but also um there just in terms of family dynamics i know um someone I'm very close to in my family had a history of an eating disorder. So I was very much in denial that I would get to that point. I was like, nope, that's not going to be me. I'm not going down that road. But I actually went the opposite direction, which was, um, you know, still the same uh, issues in terms of false beliefs and limiting beliefs. But I went about it in a different way. I went about it in going to the gym two times a day, even. Um, and then uh, in university, I was doing like back-to-back -back yoga classes and hot yoga. And, and it was just like, it was a lot. And so I think, I think it was a lot of different influences for me, whether it be family, whether it be media, um, just feeling like I wasn't enough. And the only way that I could be enough was by changing changing my physical body. That's so we're so hard on ourselves as women in general. Like we're never happy, and we're just mm -hmm. so we're always comparing each other to one another. I find, mm -hmm. and with social mm -hmm. media now, my gosh, like I worry for my kids because with filters, with all the things you can do now, everyone yeah. has such a different view of what beauty is supposed to look like and it was weird because when I was younger being thin being super tiny was like that was the best way but now I mm -hmm. see a shift of like you have to be curvy but not too curvy little mm -hmm. over here on your waist but big on your bum like there's just it's it's unattainable and I think how yeah. you mentioned it starts with our mind and our mental health I believe in that so much and I, I want you to tell me a little bit about how you start your your conversation with your new client yeah, when it comes to um, starting right from the beginning with clients, it's 
how do we build this self-trust back? It is such a hard thing to do when, uh, when you've lost that self-trust in yourself. I remember so many people would tell me, you know, you need to show yourself self-compassion. And I was just like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I have been conditioned over not even years. I've been conditioned over decades to find things wrong with myself that how am I supposed to find compassion? And, you know, the diet mindset really is a set of rules. And if you're following these rules, it really, it isn't directed to you, right? That intuitive part of you, it's this, um, you know, you're disconnected from what your body needs, what your body wants, how much of that to have, when to have it. So, I always start with self-trust and that starts also with awareness. So I actually started with a client last week and we're going over our first phase of the program tomorrow morning. But before I even left the call last week, I said, I want you to get out your phone and we're going to create reminders that pop up in your phone every two to three hours. And it can be um, something like, How, what are you thinking about right now? How are you feeling um, mood-wise in your body? How, on a scale of one to ten, because this client in particular is feeling a lot of anxiety. On a scale of one to ten, where is your anxiety in this moment? And so, what I like to do by building the self-awareness is get the mind off of autopilot because we're very much in a routine, and our brain loves routine. It loves pulling to what's familiar. So it's a it's a lot of um, rewiring in terms of your automatic thinking uh, processes and patterns. So that's the very first thing I do is actually start to build that self-trust. And one of the things that is very hard to do, again, simple doesn't mean it's easy, um, but one of the things that is so important when it comes to building back your self-trust is letting go of the fear of the outcome. So when we're so tied to that outcome, then there's this control that we can't trust ourselves, right? We have to give our power away to make that outcome happen, right? So letting go of the outcome, and I know for me personally, I was very scared of um, overeating you know, if I if I'm not on a plan, oh my gosh, I'm just going to eat everything. Mm -hmm. well, of course. <laughs> and if I'm not on a plan, I'm probably going to gain all this weight. And and so I was giving again, giving all of my power away. And so the first thing I needed to do to build trust was not only build awareness, but also let go of that outcome and actually trust myself that I'm going to start to understand my body's biological cues again. You know what you know am i actually hungry or is it just time to eat based on the plan yeah right so just starting to break up with all of the rules and break up with the idea of following a plan and really just to start to listen to that inner guiding system that we all have just a lot of us have disconnected from it so it is a huge mental game like that's would you say it's the number one thing is that mental part I would say that's probably the one connection that a lot of us miss 
we're so focused on the external, right? And this was what I learned in my first two years of nutrition coaching was um, clients would come to me and ask, okay, so you're going to give me a list of foods I can eat, right? And amounts and how much and, and so that I can be on the plan. <laughs> yeah. And my question, I, I can do that, but do you want to be on a plan for the rest of your life? And the question or the answer is most of the time, no. <laughs> in, in my experience, the, the uh, answer is no. And so I, I then asked, so would it make sense that if the diet is, is not part of, um, of your forever eating, how can this be part of the solution that we work on right now? Right. So the, that mental, emotional part is so important. I think it gets overlooked. We're so focused on external. Right. What are we eating? How much of it are we eating? How are we exercising? How long? How many days a week? There's a lot of focus on the external. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, well, because quite frankly, it is a lot easier to focus on the external than to start to dig a little bit deeper and understand um where where our mind is going and that can be a really scary thing it can be a really scary thing if we've been on autopilot for a very long time of course and eating is a form of comfort too like if you're sad you're like oh i just kind of want some comfort food or some ice cream to make me happy Absolutely. and even as a kid like i remember like i grew up european so we ate very traditional food but like a treat was like okay i'm gonna take you to mcdonald's Let's go get mm -hmm, ice cream. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get programmed at a young age of like what those treats are and you, yeah. you gravitate towards them, especially when things mm -hmm. aren't going well in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I 100% agree with you. And emotional eating, it comes from this feeling of lack, right? So when we look at, um, and it's often tied in with the myth of willpower, which I can get into a moment in a moment, but usually between the times of 4 p.m. and I would say 9 p.m., mm -hmm. um, as our day starts to slow down, um, we're in more of a position to feel, um, you know, what feels right in our life at the moment. Um, we're more apt to use food as a means of suppressing some of these awarenesses or feelings that are coming up. Um, and so when I'm feeling emotional and I'm feeling like whether it's anxiety, it's sadness, um, whatever I'm feeling, I now interrupt it and I ask myself, what is it that I really need right now? Because nine times out of 10, the food that you're reaching for is really just a coping mechanism. And so do I need affection right now? Do I need uh, calm? Do I need to channel some anger? Like, what is it that I need truly versus can I mask it in some way? And um, so emotional eating, it's definitely something, you know, to dig into and to pull apart because we're so used to, as you said, from a young age, if you're sad, right? And, and, you know, here, have a, a sweet, or we're going to go for pizza, or we're going to, you know, make you feel better. And while the intentions are there that are, um, you know, it's, it's coming from a good place, but you're also wiring the brain that when I feel this emotion, 
I have to go and eat this food. A hundred percent. And even when that time of the month comes, never mind. I think that's like our number one excuse to eat whatever we want. We're like, <laughs> it's that time of the month. It's my time to just eat. Well, really, yeah. do you think we should probably try to keep that up even during the time of the month? I think that's a really interesting question. So our bodies change, you know, those who have a menstrual cycle, um, our bodies are, are not the same on, you know, day five of our cycle versus day 25 of our cycle, right? Our bodies are changing. And so um, I actually really like the idea of cycle syncing your foods with, with where you are in the cycle. And a lot of the times when symptoms of PMS come up, it actually is giving you information that the foods you're eating and perhaps some of the movements and exercise you're doing with your body um, earlier on in the month, it's actually not uh, in line so that that's what's pulling up a lot of the PMS symptoms. So um, for example, um, if you are not, if your blood sugar is off during the first uh, couple of weeks of the cycle, then of course, when it comes to um, when it comes to the second phase of the cycle, right, the luteal phase, of course, that's going to be exacerbated more. So it's really about during the whole month, focusing on getting your body in a supported state, um, rather than these roller coaster ups and downs. So taking a look at sugar and taking a look at, um, you know, from if I step back and take a look at what I'm eating, does it make sense that the PMS symptoms are coming up or not? Yeah. And you were going to touch on willpower because I'll tell you, when I'm on my cycle, I have zero willpower <laughs> to the point that my own little kids will go to my husband and be like, did you buy her chocolate almonds yet? She needs them <laughs> to, like, to be nice again because I'm so like miserable. So it's the willpower that I think you need to kind of have the entire month so that when that week comes, you're prepared, right? And I I need advice on willpower for sure. Okay, well, let's talk about willpower. But what I will also say before I even dive into willpower is um, raw cacao and cocoa powder has actually been shown to really ease uh, PMS symptoms. So because you're actually craving that, that's telling your body it needs that. So I would even say, hey, go for it. <laughs> Thank you. This is the best advice ever. <laughs> so honestly, that would be my advice is actually to have some instead of instead of telling yourself, no, this is bad. I shouldn't eat this. Um, I would just have some. Thank you. That's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about willpower. So it's a myth. <laughs> it does not exist in my opinion. Um, and so what I do when I work with clients is I teach them how to turn this idea of willpower into skill power, okay? So what this is, is I'll just use an example. We start with 10 units of willpower a day, okay? So you use up these units all throughout the day. Um, one unit of willpower might be what you're deciding to eat for breakfast that morning. Um, Another unit of willpower might be used, you know, something happens at work um, and you need to hold back what you really want to say. <laughs> That's a unit of willpower. It's not food related, but it's still willpower, right? You have to hold yourself back from that. Um, so by the end of the day, you're left feeling 
exhausted. You're left feeling overwhelmed, irritable, anxious, perhaps not appreciated, not seen, you know, so some of these feelings start to pull up at the end of the day. And so this is where that comfort eating starts to set in, right? The sweets, the chocolate, the candy, um, we all have our vice. <laughs> so my action plan is to anticipate how you're going to feel at the end of the day. So for example, um, I wake up in the morning and I say tonight, like most nights after dinner, when all of my obligations are done, um, I can finally take a sigh, right? And I'm probably going to feel overwhelmed. I'm probably going to feel irritated and angry. And I'm probably going to grab the chocolate or the ice cream and eat, right? Because why would today be any different than yesterday? And, and you know, that cycle that keeps coming up. So first anticipate how you're going to feel later on in the day and then we need to interrupt the cycle right if we just focus on willpower alone and just say oh my willpower is just not good it's just not good i always do this and we kind of get into that inner critic mode but interrupting the cycle so if at 9 p.m you know that that's when you usually reach for the candy or the sweet or the chocolate um, then you, that's where you need to interrupt yourself and say, what do I really need right now? And then planning some kind of activity, something to interrupt the cycle so that you're not always doing the same thing. Right. And so for example, um, I had a client of mine that would always, when unwinding in the evening, watching TV, would just reach for the chips. And it's like, I'm not even hungry. I just like, I sit down and it's like, my brain just says, okay, go grab the chips and we'll sit down and eat. And so I asked her, you know, what is it that you really need? And, and she's like, I need a break. I need to relax. Like, this is what I need. And so associating the chips and, and like that feeling when eating the food, um, that's what was giving her that sense of ease, right? However, it was also followed by some digestive upsets. She wasn't sleeping very well. She was waking up in the morning, not feeling so good. So I asked her, you know, what can we do to give you that sense of calm, to give you that sense of ease at 9 p.m. to interrupt the cycle that you're in right now? And so we came up with a list. And of course, everyone's is going to be a little bit different based on what you like. Um, but for her, it was moving her body very gently in the evening. So at nine o'clock, that's how she started to unwind. It was it was removing herself from the, the living room and actually stretching her body very gently, nothing crazy. And that's what gave her that sense of calm and that sense of ease. So um, that's why I say willpower is really, in my opinion, a myth because it's it gets our, our units of willpower get used up all day and then by the end of the day you're exhausted no wonder you just need something and so having that compassion towards yourself that it's not you you don't have awful willpower <laughs> that's good to know because i actually i fall into that category too so at the end of the night my husband and i that's our time together and it always always we have something whether it's something small right now it's mini eggs i swear to god why why do i have mini eggs in my house like i could just eat them non-stop it gets to a point where i'm like i don't even want anymore it's just naturally going into my mouth because they're so good yeah. 
And it, that's yeah. what happens. We watch our show together. We spend time together and we snack. And I'm like, I hate it. And I hate myself for it every single night. As soon as we're like done snacking, I get mad at myself. Like, why did I have to have that? Mm-hmm. And so my question to you then is, are mini eggs <laughs> part of the foods that you're like, I'm not allowed to eat that. That's a that's a bad food. It's a, it's a food I need to stay away from. Yeah, to me, it falls under the, like, it's a treat. Like you have that maybe a handful once a year, but then of course you buy the big bag when you have kids too, it it gets so tested, right? Because when you have kids, they, you have the snacks around for them, healthy snacks and unhealthy snacks, and then you tend to gravitate towards it also. So I think Mm -hmm. that that's not a good snack at all to have in this house. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I totally hear you. I totally hear you. When when kids are, are in the mix, it makes it a lot more challenging. Um, but I think for for you, um, actually playing around with what I call um, like there are like buffer foods that you can eat that kind of save you from overdoing it later on. So one thing that actually helped me for, for you right now, mini eggs, for me, actually, it was peanut butter cups, like chocolate peanut butter cups. So oh, those are I my actually... favorite chocolates. <laughs> like, yes. Let's just talk about chocolate for a minute. You see how big <laughs> my <laughs> eyes get when you mentioned yeah. that? I was like, what? You too? Yes. <laughs> so for me, it was um, chocolate peanut butter cups. And what I found was actually helpful because... I thought, okay, this is a bad food. This is a fear food. I can't eat this. Like I can't, this is, you know, I'll overdo it. I'll eat like the whole bag um, of chocolate peanut butter cups if I don't control it, right? So what I actually started doing is I started having one peanut butter cup at four o'clock every day. I was like, I need to take the hierarchy away from this food. Like I can't put it as such a high value food because that's what made me overdo it later on. So I just made it neutral. It's like I made I made it so that it was no longer a special occasion to have the food and I no longer crave it. Wow. Like it was total and so that's what I focus on doing. I mean, let's be honest, when we look at food as a whole, there are healthier foods than others, right? That's a no-brainer. We know that. But when it comes to food psychology, we really have to take all food and make it neutral. There's no good food versus bad food. There's no, we put everything neutral and then it's not as exciting anymore. Yeah. It's kind of just like, oh, it's a peanut butter cup. I can have that anytime. It's an abundance kind of mindset. It's, it's not like, oh my gosh, I have to eat because what I was also finding with myself, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but if we had a treat, like we ordered a pizza or, or whatever, I would feel like I had to eat the whole pizza because I'd be like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to have pizza again, because it's not on my list of things I'm allowed to eat. Right. Um, so I would feel I would feel like I had to eat all of it. And same thing with if it was um, like a bag of um, like chocolates or whatever, I would feel like I had to eat all of it 
because first of all, then I wouldn't have the opportunity to eat it tomorrow because <laughs> it would all be gone. <laughs> yeah. But I also wouldn't know when I could, you know, cheat. And I hate using that word. Um, but for a very long time, I did use that word. And so it, it just kind of, when we have these foods that we uh, view as um, kind of, yeah, like high value kind of foods, mm -hmm. then uh, it, it makes it very challenging to not crave them because we've put such a big um, value on it. So taking everything down to a neutral um, place in terms of food um, and then going from there. So is that what you would, how you would consider and categorize preventing the burnout that you get when you start looking at all foods as neutral? Yeah. You, do you mean burnout in the sense of like exhaustion, like physically or um, yeah. how do you Yeah. Mean? Like when you're, when you're burnt out from trying so hard to like eat properly all the time. Like I know for me, I'm, I always go on like a diet or like a healthy mm -hmm, little mm -hmm. sprint where for, and it always yeah. lasts the exact same time, three and a half weeks. Yeah. I get to the three and a half weeks yeah. and I'm miserable. Yes, I've seen results, but I don't want to live this way anymore. And I get completely exhausted. I give up. I feel bad. And I go for the chocolate to make myself feel better. <laughs> totally, totally. And honestly, when it comes to breaking up with just dieting altogether, I always encourage my clients just to, and this is, again, it's hard, throw out the diet book. Yes. <laughs> get rid of the quick fix articles that you've pinned to your wall. Mm -hmm. um, get rid of the scale. <gasps> get right? rid of the scale? Um, yep. Oh. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't, you know what? It's baby steps, right? Maybe all of that all at once is like, oh my gosh, that's really overwhelming. Um, so maybe it's, it's smaller steps than that. But these are my guidelines um, because really what you're doing with the articles and the books and the scale is you're tying your worth to that number or to that the success of that plan or that recipe or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so what I actually do with my coaching is I get a little bit heated with my with my clients and you know, about how we've been lied to and made to believe that we're a failure if, if these quick fix diets don't work. But um, you know, I would love to get to a place where we challenge that a little bit and we look at, okay, maybe there's not something wrong with me. Maybe there's not something wrong with me and maybe there's not something wrong with you. Maybe there's a flaw in this diet design, mm -hmm. right? There's a reason why the, um, the weight loss industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. I think it's projected that um, by 2023, it's going to reach like $278 billion. Like it, and so I, I like to get, have these heated conversations with my clients because, um, you know, when we've been giving our power away to these diets and these plans for so many years and we lost touch with our own feedback in our body, right? Our hunger, our mood, our energy levels, being able to tell if we're full or not, um, so I, I like to kind of get get the the heated, uh, uh, not so much of an argument, but kind of have a heated discussion about 
um, what's working and what's not working and then starting to pull it back and and get back in touch with our body because really our bodies know best and it is the hardest piece of advice to hear when and i know i know because it was hard for me when a coach said to me well listen to your body i was like that is so hard when i i haven't been listening to my body for so many years like where do i even start with that and so coming back to that um awareness yeah 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 and so would you say you're in like a good place now i mean you're helping other people i'm sure you still have your struggles none of us are perfect and everybody's Mm -hmm. path is a little different even though the basics are there how would Mm -hmm. you say you have changed now from i don't even want to say from that eight-year-old girl because that's crazy oh my gosh (laughs) i know oh when i think back to my eight-year-old girl i just want to give her a giant hug like everything's gonna be okay yeah what you're feeling is legit <laughs> and you should be angry. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but okay. So how did I get to this place? Um, giving up the desire that I needed to change, um, giving up the desire that I need to change my body, um, really accepting my body and accepting me as a whole and really just being really fed up with the rules i've never really been one to love rules but i was so stuck in them for so long um and i was just like yeah i needed to surrender to something and i knew that there was a better way i was emotionally and physically tired i was open to trying anything to stop the cycle so as painful as it was when i think back to that rock bottom me or as painful as i when I think back to that eight, nine, ten year old girl, like in all of her struggles and limiting beliefs, um, I have to actually be thankful for that because if I didn't hit that rock bottom, I would probably still be dieting today. Um, and so, you know, for, for me, like I eat everything now. I love that. <laughs> I As you everything. should. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I do focus on quality foods that to me is very important. Um, so when I have the means to purchase organic foods, um, I do, um, that doesn't mean I always do, um, but I do try to as much as possible, but I eat all proteins. Um, I eat legumes, which I was very scared of for a very long time. I stayed away from those foods. I stayed away from grains for so long. I now eat grains. If I feel like having a peanut butter cup, I eat it. The only thing I would actually say I still stay away from is, um, I do stay away from dairy and that's only because, um, I know how my body feels when I have dairy. I've tried to take it out and reintroduce it and whatnot. And I do get a lot of digestive pain when I have um, cow's milk or or dairy. Mm. Um, So, I mean, that's the difference between a diet rule and a self-guided kind of realization. I know how my body feels when I have dairy. So for me, I stay away from it. it's not something that I'm like, well, the research says it's not good for X, Y, Z. So I'm going to stay away from it. It's actually, I've really tried to eat it and it just does not sit well with me. 
But other than that, I really just eat anything. And um, some days I eat more than others. And I really just tapped into um, to me. I've really just tapped into myself. And it's it takes a lot of work to do, but it can be done. Um, and it is so liberating. It is very liberating not to need to follow anything. <laughs> I love that. And I love that you are there to help people. Like that's what you do. You're there to be by their, your people's side, not to scold them and be like, how much weight did you lose this week? And give them a hard time. You're you're very easy to talk to. And I love that. And I love that we've connected with peanut butter cups. Um, and I just think it's so important. Like having someone by your side through that is the absolute best way to be successful. You, you can't do it on your own. I mean, maybe some people can. Good for them. But having that support system and what you can provide, I think is is incredible. So... I, if anyone wants to like see anything more about you, your Instagram is at wellbalancehealth and your website That's too, right. wellbalancehealth.com. And yeah. you offer all different kinds of programs, right? Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about what kind of programs you offer and how soon people can start? Absolutely. Okay. So actually I have a, uh, a free guide that anyone can download. So maybe I'll send that and we can add that into the show notes as well. Um, but what it is, is it is an anti-dieting guide that helps you start to put all of what we're talking about into action. Um, and so I talk about mastering mindset, leveling up your relaxation practices, um, prioritizing sleep practices, gentle nutrition, resp respecting your body with movement, um, as well as delicious recipes. There's an awesome recipe book. It's so good. Um, and of course, there's chocolate peanut butter things in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I have a free guide. So um, please uh, go over and download that. Um, but also one-on-one -on -one nutrition coaching is, is what I offer. Uh, and so it's a three-month commitment. And uh, we meet uh, every two weeks. Uh, and of course, you're going to get um, a guide and whatnot, but it really is the coaching that that is the most um, transformative with one-to-one uh, -one nutrition. Yes, you're going to get a, a personalized recipe book and all of those things, um, but it's really about uh, the mindset piece and actually the accountability. And so um, I'm, I am actually bringing on a uh, uh, custom coaching clients right now. But I will also tell you and your listeners, I have not announced this anywhere. Ooh. So this is like the first time uh, I'm actually uh, sharing this. I have a brand new coaching program that is launching in April. It's a group coaching program and it is all about breaking up with the dieting mentality. So it is not a diet. It is not an exercise program. We do talk about gentle nutrition and respecting your body with movement, but it is all about challenging those limiting beliefs. It is about challenging the food police because it, it almost feels like even when you're checking out at the grocery store, you feel like someone is judging what's in your yes. cart. <laughs> um, so we're going to challenge the food police. So there's, um, so it's an eight week program. It is a group coaching program and lots and lots of support. So if you're interested in that, I am building a wait list out for it right now on my website. Um, but other than that, uh, Instagram, find me yes. on Instagram and, um, I'm the most active there and, uh, I love hearing from, uh, 
from listeners. Amazing. How many people are you thinking like max are you going to have in this group? Like what's a good number for you? I'm going to cut it off at 20 people. Yeah. I think that's a manageable number for me for group coaching. Um, so I'm so excited about it. It's something that I've been building for the last couple of months behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I'm just starting to launch uh, some of the promotional materials for it. And I am just so excited. I was finding with my um, one-on-one coaching clients that I have right now, I was doing a lot of the same um, mindset practices. And I just kind of thought, wouldn't it be cool to do this in a group setting? Wouldn't this be cool, fun? You can connect with other people. Um, I think community is really something we're craving right now, especially. So um, yeah, we're going to do it in April. Um, It's going to go until mid-June and then uh, we'll take a break for the summer and then I'll probably launch another one in the fall. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That's so great. Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you and, you know, empowered people empower others. So I think if you have a group of people that you're empowering, then they'll just spread it around. So that's so beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited. It's a, it's a passion project of mine. And um, if I can guide, my, my goal is always just to be the guide for others. Everyone has the power to do it themselves. But if I can just kind of guide you along the way, then I've done my work. Exactly. Helping people <laughs> is the most rewarding thing you could do. It is. Yeah. It is. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so much for being here. This was amazing. Yeah, well, thank you again for having me. This was so fun. And uh, you're also just so lovely to speak with. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I hope to have you back very soon. Perfect. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone.